The Blue Jackets may have won the game, but the Sharks won the Celebrini Bowl. We're talking all about that on today's Locked on Blue Jackets. Your Locked on Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster, here to give you the good, the bad, and the ugly about your favorite team and mine, the club's Blue Jackets. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone for making this your first listen of the day every single day. Locked On Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms, on YouTube, and on SiriusXM. I also want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app, use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details uh, it's a squad cast for the first time in uh in a little bit here uh the blue jackets faced off against the san jose sharks yesterday and uh, came out on top with about 12 seconds left in regulation which was a lot of fun so uh i've got my very good friend uh jd young of locked on sharks and we're going to do a little bit of a crossover episode we're going to talk about the game we're going to talk about uh the trade deadline where the two teams are headed in the near future and uh we're going to look at ken johnson's development path versus william eckler's development path so uh i'm just going to get right into my conversation with jd and now we bring in secret sharks fan uh, but the host of the Columbus uh, Locked on Columbus Blue Jackets, Jay Forster. Jay, how's it going, buddy? It's going. Um, I am actually, just for full disclosure, this is what I'm wearing for, for the recording today. <laughs> the Jay Thomas Borlo sh- Sharks. Uh, Secret Sharks hoodie. fan, it's me. The Secret Sharks. You've actually been to more Sharks games this year than I have. Uh, and I don't think I've actually kind of got close at this moment, but... Uh, so you were actually at the Blue Jackets Sharks game on Saturday, which was um kind of crazy between two bad teams, and it felt like this game could have been very much a Blue Jackets like five to one win if it wasn't for uh Johnny Gertrow forgetting how to score and Capo Kakin and kind of stealing the show at least. Uh, Jackets do end up winning this game with 13 seconds left because of Boone Jenner and Alexander Bear Alexander forgetting how to back check. Um but what is your big takeaway coming out of this game, um, at least from the Blue Jackets' perspective? God, these teams are both real bad, aren't they? <laughs> like, <laughs> the thing is, a yes. lot of the Sharks games I've watched this season have been against good opponents. And so I'm like, it makes sense that they look bad. And I wondered if watching them play a different bad team would make them look better. No, it just looks like two bad teams playing. Um, which, in fairness, I think the Blue Jackets were the better team. Last yes. night, um, I think Johnny Gaudreau is extremely cursed uh, because, <laughs> uh, what was it? It was two breakaways. Three breakaways? Yeah. Uh, so I think he had two breakaways, and then he scored, which was disallowed. Um, the slap shot that almost broke Kapokakinen, um, he tried to, like, go around the back of the net and do that. Like, he yeah. just he tried to score every single way, and it just wasn't... It just wasn't happening for him. But I do think the best play of the night was that pass to Boone Jenner. And Boone, Boone Jenner just snuck right in between both uh, both of the Sharks players um, and scored actually an identical goal to um, Anthony Duclair's first goal against Elvis, yeah. I thought, which I did like the the poetic like bookending of the game. Um, Where the puck just kind of slides underneath and both 
right? Even Ducourt you think you've like got it, and it just, yeah, momentum. It just you haven't squeezed your knees together quite enough. Yeah, yeah. I've, and even Ducourt again, was I've, like, I've no, allowed I a lot of goals like that. that in my life, so it's yeah. uh, it's always those are the worst ones that just kind of keep rolling in. Um, I guess that's yeah. The biggest takeaway I think is um, the Blue Jackets are still that they're, they're they're improving. I think I saw mm-hmm. a lot of things last night that, like the um, the second Duclair goal, I think is would have been a backbreaker earlier in the season. They probably would have folded, like you know, a cheap yeah. suit, and the Sharks would probably have have won that game, like five to two, five to three, whatever the score was at that point. Um, so you know, they're learning, they're getting better, but man, it's <laughs> it's a tough game to watch. It was a lot of fun. To watch, I had a good time. Um, yes, it was not a good game of hockey. <laughs> no, uh, and I, I have been cursed to watch a lot of bad hockey this season. Uh, the defense in both these uh, just constant, like odd man rushes. You know, mm. you, you mentioned Gaudreau had a lot of breakaway chances, even like Anthony Duclair's goal. And I know uh, I forget the both of his goals for... were breakaway goals. Yeah, like uh, it just basically fell down and Duclair, but that was basically the only way. Kind of both teams, you know, kind of got their offense created was off the rush. And then it was very much a back and forth game where, I mean, even with the goals, like it was every time somebody scored, it was a quick response from another team. And I think both teams did a good job of kind of controlling play for a little while. You know, like there was times where it was definitely okay. The Sharks are kind of pushing and then the Blue Jackets were kind of pushing. But yeah, this was definitely uh, two bad teams playing bad hockey. And at least it was entertaining, uh, which is uh for a good chunk of sharks games we haven't actually been entertained this year so i will take an entertaining game where they lost um and this was the perfect perfect tank game right you kind of showcase anthony duclair there's a bunch of scouts he scores two goals anthony duclair is a big we'll talk about duclair here in a little bit big name in the trade deadline um and then you lose the game in regulation with 13 seconds left as Chicago wins, so the Sharks are now back within two points of Chicago. Uh, everything's coming out Millhouse over here in San Jose. Uh, at least that's the hope. But um, before we get into like where these teams are kind of heading and stuff, but uh, at least in the short term, like you, you mentioned, this team, the the Blue Jackets, are kind of improving right now. And as we, you know, we're a couple weeks away from the trade deadline. What are you kind of looking for from this team? As you know, Fantilli will. Hopefully be back at some point uh, this season. We'll see. I know the timeline's going to be really, really close there. Uh, what are you kind of looking for over the next couple of weeks for this team? Sell everyone over the age of 25. Um, <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's kind of an over-exaggeration. But, like, the thing is, the Blue Jackets don't have a lot of... They have a lot of pieces... I don't know if they have a lot of pieces that other people or other teams are going to want to pick up. Like, I'm over the Ivan Provorov experience. I was never really into the Ivan Provorov experience, but... Fair. <laughs> um, he is actively detrimental to this team now, as opposed to just being kind of ineffective uh, on defense. Um, I don't know what you thought of the Ivan Provorov experience last night, but it sure was... He was... He, he was there. He exists. <laughs> um... So he's a piece that I think that they could potentially look at moving. It's going to be really interested the trade deadline because obviously Yamakakalainen just got fired. John Davidson is going to be running the trade deadline. Um, the the AGMs will surely be be um, you know pretty heavily involved there. So I'm interested to know how that's going to look uh, because I had kind of a couple of you know I had some ideas of what Kakalainen was going to do, um, but he's not there. 
it's it's kind of a, a weird unknown quantity. Jack Rostovic is probably on the move. Um, Andrew Peak is going to look real good in Toronto. Um, <laughs> I know that him you're like real pushing for me to get Mario Ferraro, uh, Mario Ferraro, but yeah, like, him and Mario Ferraro are going to be holding hands, skipping the. Yeah, basically, of Toronto, that's yeah. what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of pieces that that could move, and there's no one that I'm sure is going to move. You know. The only one that I'm really, really sure about is I think Jack Rostovic goes, but the Blue Jackets just don't have a lot of expiring contracts um, or they don't have a lot of expiring UFAs. Um, they mm. have a bunch of expiring RFAs that they have to find, you know, they have to find the money for Kent Johnson, who we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, Cole Sillinger is up this year. Um, Igor Chinikov is up this year as well, I think. Um, Kirill Machenko, I don't think is up this year, but like the Blue Jackets are going to have to figure out a way to find the cap space for all of these young guys. Um, Texier needs a new deal. You know, like there's a lot of moving parts to this roster. And I wouldn't, I'm going to be really interested to see what happens. Oh, Kirill Machenko does need a new contract this, this summer. Awesome. Love this. <laughs> um, it's going to be great. <laughs> going to be, be great. Um, Jake Bean actually is the other guy that I could see moving. I forgot that he was, um, he was up. Uh, he's up at the in this summer. So like, Lots and lots and lots of moving pieces, but also it could very much be that they just did, don't do anything. Um, I think the market is in a weird place right now. Mm -hmm. I think the Sean Monaghan deal really set the tone in a way that I think a lot of GMs are going to be unhappy with. Um, the goalie yeah. market is static because no one wants to trade for a goalie because no one wants to pay for a goalie. Um, we'll see. Yeah, We'll see where it goes. Uh, but I think the Sharks are kind of in a similar place. They just have... They have better pieces, I think. Um, unfortunately, the pieces that they're probably going to get the most money for are the pieces I think that they would probably like to keep. Like, I think Anthony Duclair would look real good on this rebuilding Sharks team. They could probably resign him keep. Um, but he's yeah, gone. he's probably gone. Um, Zetterlund, I don't know if he moves. Um, no. Again, he's a piece that I think that they would like to keep. Um, Ferraro, I think you could probably punt to literally any other team and be fine with that. Um, but it's going to be... Trade deadline's gonna be weird this year, I feel like. I've got a I just I have a I have a hunch that this trade deadline is gonna be real weird. Yeah. We'll get more into the trade deadline here in a minute and kind of the direction of these teams uh and where they're kind of heading all in one second. First, I want to tell you guys about Camino Consulting. How would you like to get to know someone better in an hour than you would in a year? Understanding one another better prevents small misunderstandings from becoming big ongoing fights. After providing more than 20 years of service to small and mid-sized businesses, helping management groups navigate conflict and onboarding new employees, Camino is now offering a digital seminar for families and couples. Did your Valentine's gift of tickets to the game not go over as well as you'd hoped? You can fix that. Get the Couples and Family Online Seminar for 25% off the month of February using the discount code Locked On. That's discount code Locked On for 25% off for the rest of the month at CaminoConsulting.ca or mention Locked On when reaching out for a business seminar and receive the first five profiles free. Once again, that is CaminoConsulting.ca, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for the discount code for 25% off. All right, so let's get into kind of where the you, we started to kind of talk about the trade deadline with the Sharks. And again, I, they the Sharks do have more attractive pieces, um, potentially. But again, it's such a weird year. You know, you look at like Duclair, who we talked about earlier, and I think is going to 
be an attractive piece for a team who wants to try to add some middle six scoring, right? You look at a team like the Rangers, uh, Anthony Duclair revenge tour continues. Um, it's weird how he's been on like every team. It feels like without you realizing like he's been on every team, um, but he's been on a lot of teams. You know, if Duclair, it want, he also represents himself and he's had a really up and down year with the Sharks where he's played on the fourth line. He's been a healthy scratch in some games. Uh, like I could see him wanting to go to somewhere else where he's surrounded with more talent and has opportunity to kind of um, set himself up for a nice contract going into this offseason. It would make a lot of sense to me. Um, Bear Banoff, who's been really good with the, the Sharks this season or before the season, but has had a terrible year going into a contract season. Um, he hurt, he broke his finger and he just hasn't looked the same since his return. Um, you, then you, of course, you have Couture and Hurdle, who have played a whopping like four games together, uh, this season. Um, and then Nico Sturm has been kind of in and out of the lineup. Mikhail Granlin, the same thing. Um, the Sharks team has been a, a hot, hot mess, and I, I think it's going to make for a very interesting trade deadline because the Sharks don't have that one piece, right? You had Timo Meyer, you had Eric Carlson, you had Brent Burns, you traded all those guys away. The return was meh to looking better on some of them. I think the Timo Meyer deal is looking way better now than it did uh, when it happened a year ago. Um, but again, I think it's for, for general manager Mike Greer, it's going to be trying to kind of Leverage the pieces that you do have as you continue to try to stockpile your your assets as, as you're going into this rebuild. So, um, I mean, for for the Blue Jackets, right? I mean, we go into the season. This this was kind of going to be the year where, like, hey, we're we're going to be the fun, exciting young team, right? And that did not happen uh, this year. So, what do you think is the reason why this team didn't become the fun, young, exciting teams that we've seen, like Detroit or like the Devils a couple of years ago? What happened with this Blue Jackets team? Um, cursed. No, um, <laughs> I do want to say that I feel like the Sharks are kind of in a similar situation as the Blue Jackets were in last season. Of everyone tradable died and was then untradable. Um, yep. and you know they just they were decimated by injuries, and every time someone got healthy, someone else left the lineup, and you know all of their big guys were out for. I think Johnny Gaudreau and uh, Andrew Peak were the only people, the only two players that played over eighty games. Last season, they didn't have a single player who played all 82 games. So, like, the Sharks, I feel like, are, and again, like, just in where they are in terms of the their pathway, they are mm. one to two seasons behind where the Blue Jackets are, I think. The Blue Jackets, in terms of the trade deadline, again, are in a weird place because I think they're right on the cusp of falling into that kind of Coyotes trap of, we just need a couple more good assets. We just need a couple more futures. You, I, this might be a hot take. You can have too many futures on your team. And I think the Blue Jackets are kind of reaching saturation point. Of, yeah. You know, like if the they are... The Ducks are going to be right there soon too. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, they're a couple of years behind. Um, yeah. The Blue Jackets are in a place right now where... I don't necessarily think drafting a Celebrini, for example, would would be great. I don't know that that changes the way that this franchise is moving in a way mm -hmm. that is worth the misery of this season. Um, <laughs> so it's gonna be it's gonna be again really interesting. Like, do they trade for picks and just kind of kick the development can down the road? Do they trade for slightly older players that can kind of fit into the timeline? I don't know. Um, in terms of what happened. Uh, they hired Mike Babcock, and it killed all of the good vibes. 
And then the head coach, Pascal Vincent, got the job four days before training camp. And I don't think anyone has ever kind of really recovered from that. Um, A lot of the players have underperformed. There have been interesting lineup decisions. I think the team wasn't prepared to start the season. I think Pascal Vincent has been playing catch-up. I don't think he knows what to do with his young players necessarily, um, which is shocking to me because I really liked what he did with the Manitoba Moose. And I was like, okay, usually, not always, but usually guys Mm. that have been in the AHL for a long time have a better handle on coaching young players and, you know, as development coaches. And so I don't know what's what's going on there, but Pascal Vincent wasn't the coach that I thought he was going to be. Again, players underperforming, um, like... Johnny Gaudreau is shooting at like 5% this season. Oh, he's going full Zach Bren- Zach <laughs> goal last night, he was shooting at, I think, literally 0.9%, you know? Uh. So it's just a lot of guys are underperforming. There's been a lot of inconsistency in the lineup. Um, I think Kekalainen uh, tried to fast forward the rebuild in a way that wasn't sustainable. Obviously, bringing in Provorov, bringing in Severson. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think you need to do both of those things. I especially don't think that you needed to a trade away futures and b sign um 28 year old Damon Severson for eight years, but that's oh, you know no. I'm, I'm not the general manager of an NHL team. What do I know? You know, so just it feels like the left hand and the right hand just weren't talking to each other all summer, and the Blue mm-hmm. Jackets are kind of reaping the the problems of that because you're right. It should have been a young. This team should be what the um Canadians. Are kind of doing at the minute where they're not great but yeah. their young players are fun and doing a ton of great things like Yuri Slavkovsky is you know looks like a monster um in the past kind of couple of months of the season it should have been yeah this, this season should not have been a playoff season but it should have been like there was no reason for Johnny Pino not to have another 100 point season there's no reason that Adam Fantilli shouldn't have been a 30 goal 30 assist scorer in his rookie season Ken Johnson yeah. should have exploded offensively. Like David Yurichek. We'll talk Ken Johnson here in a minute. Yeah, but yeah. David Yurichek should be in line for the Calder. Like, and he's not. He's rotting in the. He's not rotting in the AHL. That's melodramatic. But like, there's just this he's, team can't figure out what its narrative is. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of been the big problem. Is everything? Everyone wants something different, and as a result, nothing is happening. It's weird because like shifting over the sharks. There's a clear, there's actually a clear vision of like, mm-hmm. we are, we know what we're doing, right? Uh, we are going to get younger. We're going to get faster. We're going to, you know, like all the, the cliche things, but like my career, I think is kind of doing it. I think he's doing it smart too, with keeping some of the veterans around like, um, and hurdle and couture will be a big off season topic on whether they stay in San Jose or they go, but like having those guys around, um, for your guys like Eklund and then, you know, Henry Thrun. And, um, I think the sharks have actually kind of done pretty well with the development and kind of what they are. And we'll talk Eklund versus Kent Johnson here in a little bit, but like um, you can see, I think the growth and maturation from, from William Eklund. And yes, the season has been abysmal uh, when it comes to wins and losses, but like this team should be in contention to try to get Macklin Celebrini. And then if you pair Macklin Celebrini with William Eklund and Will Smith, and if Quentin Musty is what we think Quentin Musty is going to be, you could point to in a couple of years and be like, oh, wow, this Sharks team is going to be really fun and good, just like those Devils teams. You know, I, I know we keep picking the Devils, but like that Devils team has got a lot of young players and it has, I know this year hasn't been this the season that they've wanted, but like you can see why the Devils are really excited about their future, right? Or like you said with, with Montreal, where these guys, I know the Sharks are a couple of years behind, but um, 
yes, it's been tough, but like things are going in the right direction for, for San Jose. And I think Greer and Queen are kind of doing things the right way. And it's easy to burn things down. It's always the hardest part is always to kind of build up. And that that's, you know, that's always the hard part, but I think the, the sharks are kind of doing it in the right. They're clearing their, their cap. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to get whatever they can for some of these veterans. Maybe they, could be a little bit better at getting pieces back, but um, I still think that they're putting themselves in the position to be, to have sustainable success. Right. And that's always, that's the vision right now. Sustainable success. You don't want to be that flash in the pan. Cool. We make it to the, you don't want to be the wild, right? You make it to the playoffs every year or you, you know, you, and then you just lose in the first round. You want sustainable success where you're going to be going your next 10 to 15 year run, like the, your previous Thornton and Marlowe years. That's, that's, that's the vision, at least for San Jose. Um, are they going to be able to do it? We'll see. But I, I think, they're on the, at least on the right path to that sustainable yeah, success. Yeah, I want to so. just kind of the thing that the Sharks seem to be doing, which is something that I've wanted the Blue Jackets to do, and it's something I've kind of talked about in the like the end of the Yamakakalina era. Patience. The Sharks have committed to being terrible for if if we take like this season and last season and like arguably the season before that into consideration, the Sharks have committed. At least to it's my career here. here. The Mike Greer. The Sharks have committed to being bad for minimum four seasons. You know? Yeah. The Blue Jackets got impatient. I think realizing that they could get Johnny Gaudreau was, and I'm not mad that they got Johnny Gaudreau. I'm genuinely not. Um, I think he changed the way that this franchise is kind of spoken about around the league. Um, But that maybe was the worst thing that they could have done in terms of the rebuild. Because what it did was it gave ownership hope it gave kekalainen hope and he started making the wrong moves he started being impatient he started trying to move the rebuild faster than it should have been and again that's not sustainable success um the sharks have committed to being terrible for again the sharks are probably going to be in contention for the first overall pick next year again i know it's it's a it's a long path a rebuild takes time and i know that the joke is that you know ottawa's been rebuilding for the past 25 years or whatever and arizona has never finished the first rebuild you know and like i I get the jokes in there and i'm not picking on ottawa or arizona they're just the the buffalo is another great example i'm picking on them a little bit but i'm allowed my team is also terrible leave me alone um you've got to be patient with the rebuild yeah there's worry that you can be too patient but the sharks are doing the right thing you know eckland is eckland's gonna be a rock star in this league. Oh, we'll talk about Eklund here in a minute. You no, know, we'll talk about Eklund in a second. But like, I'm I'm frustrated that you know guys like uh, Gushin and Bordelo are kind of stuck in the AHL. But I think that's the that's the right place for them. Um, if you're not going to play, and again, this is something we'll talk about in the next segment. If you're not going to play them, sit them in the AHL. They can play 20 yeah. minutes a night and be rock stars down there. And I think that's what you're seeing with like I think uh, Tom Bordelo. I think is mad that he's in the AHL and he's making it everyone's problem. You know, <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about the patients here in a minute. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about uh, Eklund versus Kent Johnson, guys who are picked two picks away from each other in the twenty twenty one draft, and kind of where they're at. Um, you know, a couple of years from now, and which guy you maybe would rather have? Question mark? Uh, or at least how they've been uh, kind of treated so far. So we'll discuss that here in just one minute. We're past the halfway point of the season, Sharks and Blue Jackets fans. And uh, yeah, both the seasons have been 
bad. But regardless of where our teams are in the current standings, I want to remind you that you can win big by playing Daily Fantasy Hockey on Sleeper, the official Daily Fantasy app of the Locked on NHL Network. Sleepers are our number one choice for Daily Fantasy Sports, especially Daily Fantasy Hockey, because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in Daily Fantasy Hockey contests. All you have to do is pick some of your favorite players, whether they're NHL studs like McDavid, uh, Crosby, or McKinnon, or some of your favorite players on your favorite teams like Slippery Pete, uh, Kent Johnson, whoever you like to root for. Um, they'll record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus minus, and more in a given game. 2,100 times bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict, predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Sharks and Jackets fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fancy hockey with sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. Let's go LOCKEDONNHL. See sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. All right, so uh, Eklund and Ken Johnson. Um, this has been kind of came to my attention. Uh, Max Miller works for the Hockey News, kind of was was you know tweeting about Ken Johnson's ice time, and um, it's been an interesting just kind of how both team again. Both teams are very bad, right? So you'd expect that you'd want your young players to kind of get a good run, and I, I'm just want to kind of look at how both of these guys were after their draft, kind of their experiences, right? Ken Johnson, right? Uh, drafted, goes back to University of Michigan, finishes his season uh, in Michigan, um, goes straight to the NHL, plays all of last year in the NHL. This year does not have the season that you kind of expect. Bounces around between the NHL and AHL. Uh, I think he played about six or seven minutes on Saturday night. Um, look at William Eklund, right? Drafted, spends a, goes back to the SHL, uh, plays for a terrible team in the SHL, uh, where a lot of people were questioning, did the Sharks make a bad pick, right? Last year, spends basically the entire season in the AHL except for eight games. Um, and a lot of fans were like, hey, when are we going, myself included, when are we going to see William Eklund? When are we going to see William Eklund? William Eklund's too good to be playing in the AHL. And then this year, um, William Eklund has played every game except for one where he was uh, with an injury. Um, maybe not the production that you would, would have hoped, but again, this team has been hashtag bad. Um but you're seeing kind of the fruits, the patience, as, as Jay, you mentioned, right, of being a little bit slower with, with Eklund's development, not rushing him. And now Eklund is an NHL, you know, everyday NHL player. And even, you know, comparing the stats, right? Uh, again, Kent Johnson has played 125 games. He's got 22 goals, 37 assists, 59 points. Uh, Eklund, who's played 70 NHL games um, in his career, 10 goals, 22 assists, 32 points. While the numbers do favor Kent Johnson, the points per game is pretty close. I think Ken Johnson is at like 0.47 and Eklund's at 0.45. So like pretty close development. Remember, these guys are two picks apart. Um, Jay, are you jealous of my Eklund stock? Just through the room. <laughs> no, what, so, what's up with it? Ken Johnson? Like Ken Johnson. Don't know. Was... This has been my biggest. This has been me all season is why doesn't pascal vincent trust ken johnson and it's so frustrating and like i tweeted about this a little bit on saturday night after the game um i don't get it i don't know what this kid has to do to earn more ice time because he i in my mind anyway and like i know I, again i tweeted about this and a couple of people came into my mentions like he's not strong enough he needs to be bigger um he doesn't need to be bigger 
that's not how his game works. We, yeah. we don't have time to get into the 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 my he's thirty minute dive, dive on Ken Johnson, like, but like. Yeah. I will say for one thing, in terms of I know that they have similar points per game. What I would be really interested in is seeing points per 60 because we looked this up before the episode. Eklund is averaging about 18 minutes a night this season. Kent Johnson, I think last I checked, was averaging about 12 minutes a night. Um, and again, he didn't get a ton of ice time last season because Brad Larson insisted on playing Sean Corelli and Matthew Olivier and Eric Robinson for 18 minutes a night, but that's a whole other thing. Um... I'm not necessarily jealous of your Eklund because I think the both play, but I, th I think both players are very similar. Hugely, hugely skilled, smaller guys mm. that are cheat codes in a way. Um, I am jealous of your Eklund development. Do you know what I would do? Eklund played 20 minutes and 30 seconds last night or Saturday night in the game. Do you know what yeah. I would do for them to play Ken Johnson for 20 minutes a night? Unspeakable things. Things that we can't talk about on this podcast. like, And it's so frustrating because, and again, like, I don't know what your thoughts were in terms of watching Kent Johnson um, in this game. You can see the flashes of what is going to be a very, very good player. He just isn't getting the opportunities. And, you know, the Pascal Vincent is coming out into the media and saying, you know, I'm putting Ken Johnson on the power play because I really like the way that he creates this specific type of offense. And I want to create that specific type of offense on the power play. And then he plays eight minutes all game because they want to play, because they, they want to play Boone Jenner, um, who, don't get me wrong, love Boone Jenner, huge Boone Jenner yep. apologist. You can take Boone Jenner from my cold dead hands. Toronto. Um, <laughs> he has a, I believe, I could be wrong on this. I believe he has a degenerative back condition. He's had mm. like three back surgeries. Um, he's had his season cut short, like both, like the last two seasons have both been cut short due to back injuries. And they're still playing him 22, 24, 26 minutes a night. And Ken Johnson is playing eight minutes a night. I don't get it. Uh Think about how effective Boone Jenner would be if you didn't need to play him 26 minutes a night. It's my argument for the defense. Think about yeah, how great uh, your number one defenseman would be if he only played 20 minutes a night instead of 26, 28. Yeah. It's so frustrating. Uh, so I did look up the points per 60. Uh, at 5v5, Eklund's at 1.0. Ken Johnson this year's at 2.2. Um, okay. So, Yes. I again, I I think though, like in these type of players, right? It's always the like, if you're not scoring, what else are you doing for me? Mm -hmm. And I think Eklund has a much more well-rounded game, right? Um, yes. Eklund playing on the penalty kill. Eklund, like, I think he's playing. He's having to play second line center um, right now because Which I don't all their love. Just as a I, as, as a Sharks fan or secret Sharks fan. He again, they're very similar players. Ken Johnson, they 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 want him to be a center. I think he's he's much more effective on the on the wing, and I think Eklund's game is also much more effective on the wing. I was hesitant. I'm coming around on Eklund playing center, but uh, I would also like to get him better wingers um, than Alexander Barabanov. Uh, or actually, it looks what, like you don't Mike like Hoffman. Eklund playing with Mike Hoffman and Luke Cunning. Luke Cunning, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a. That's a conversation for another day, but I do feel like though the Sharks' patience with Eklund, um, and then also this year too, like they have you know 
even there's been some games where Ekwens, you know, maybe sat a couple, like he makes mistakes, he sat a couple. Uh, and I was mad about it, but like I think David Quinn has learned a lot from his time with the Rangers um, and is now kind of putting on, especially in a team that is very bad. And they know like Ekwens, like you need to get Ekwens development right, right? Like that is that is the first foundational piece, right? Um, in, in your franchise's rebuild and getting a guy like Eklund to kind of one buy in um, and then two do everything that you're asking for. And now he's doing it well. And I think you're starting to see the fruit set labor. I think it's just going to, it's going to help be like, I don't see Eklund taking steps back, right? Like Eklund's never going back to the AHL. Um, Eklund will never need to go back to the AHL because even if he has a, a, a slump and maybe, you know, we, we saw a, a scoring slump from basically mid-December to, to January um, where I think he went like almost 15 games without scoring. Um, still, if you can't, if you're not scoring, what else are you doing for me, right? Eklund's playing penalty kill. Eklund's driving lines. Eklund's making his teammates, his line mates better. Um, and maybe he's not getting the point production that he wants. Uh, but I think when you have more talented players, and I I think it's fair to say Columbus has a little bit more talented roster than the Sharks do right now. Uh, because sure, all but I is, again, it kind of goes back all to... All I have to do is point to Luke Cunning playing so second when lines. When you look at uh, who we, Johnson's line mates have been... Yeah. He's just, he's not, it's, it's again, it's, just, I know Eklund has not been getting the greatest line mates, but if Kent Johnson's most consistent line mates are like Jack Rostovic and Emil Bamstrom, what are we doing? Luke Cunning. <laughs> That's my counter argument. Uh, Luke Cunning is your second line's uh, winger on the Sharks. So, um, but yeah, I, I think the Sharks, like you mentioned earlier, the patience is starting to pay off for, for San Jose. And I think Ken Johnson is going to be still a great player. And Ken Johnson was really fun to watch, uh, you know, and he's, he's a very dynamic player. But again, it's like if you're not scoring, that's the whole question. If you're not scoring, what are you doing for me? And Ken Johnson has been scoring, uh, just he's not getting the opportunity to do more. And you kind of would like, especially what's already been a lost season, utilize these minutes for good. And I think the Sharks have been doing a little bit better job of like putting their young guys, even if it's not Eklund, right? Like Zetterlin, who's been playing on the penalty kill. And now Zetterlin, Zetterlin, who is, you know, kind of, especially after the end of last season, felt like a throw in for the team of Meyer. Zetterlin leads the team in, in point and goals and has been an absolute dog. Um, he's got that, as the kids say, he's got that dog at him. Um, super fun to watch. Um, and like, looks like to be a long-term piece for the Sharks uh, going forward. So, Yeah. It's going to be fun as we get to the last 30 games here, less than 30 games. So uh, for the, I think the Sharks and we got one more game between us uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks, I think, um, in Columbus. So definitely feels like a Columbus win with the cannon going off a bunch of times. Um, Jay, where can the people find you, buddy? Uh, I mean, I can't in good conscience recommend paying attention to the Blue Jackets, but if you do want to do that, uh locks on blue jackets is everywhere that locks on sharks is uh we're on every podcasting app you can think of we're on youtube you can find us on sirius xm uh you can find me on twitter at underscore jacob foster j-a-k-o-b-f-o-r-s-t-e-r i've been tweeting about a lot about yarame yaga today because of who i am as a person uh you can find the show at lo underscore blue jackets on twitter as well uh lots of yelling about ken johnson over there if that's uh again something that you are into uh, of course, you can find Locked on Sharks wherever you get podcasts. My voice is starting to go. Um, and you can also watch on YouTube as well. You can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Locked on Sharks. Follow me on Twitter at my fryhole. Until tomorrow, we'll, we'll break down the Sharks uh, Golden Knights game. And then uh, episode 1000 on Wednesday. So 
Um, yeah, until then.